Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Vegas Therapist. I am your host, Ryan Winder. And remember, what's happening in Vegas is not staying in Vegas, as I bring you helpful tips and all sorts of topic areas, with a Vegas twist of course. So let's get the show started. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's good to have you back in for another episode of The Vegas Therapist. This is your host, Ryan Winder. I've got a great show for you today, but before we get to the topic in the show, I uh, just want to check in. Hopefully, everybody is doing good, hanging in there through everything that is going on still with the pandemic, and I know a lot of people are stressed for various reasons, school, getting back to kind of like more of a, a normal life. People are concerned about their kids themselves, their jobs, their well-being, mental health, kids aren't playing sports in some areas. That's got people concerned about their just overall well-being. They want their kids to have those opportunities. And so just a lot of challenging things going on right now. So I hope everybody is doing well. And if you're, if you are struggling, don't hesitate to reach out uh, to get some added help. It's, uh, there's no shame in that. There's no, um, especially in these times, it's just something that we may all need. So speaking of which, um, if you are interested in any kind of further help or coaching, you can contact me at the Vegas Therapist at gmail.com um, or even text me at 702-743-9550. Um, I'm able to do coaching in other areas as well as therapy in Vegas and Idaho as I'm licensed there. So that's always an option for people in those areas. Um, outside of that, you can also join the Vegas Therapist podcast Ryan Winder group page on Facebook. Um, I'm always posting articles and different quotes and things for people to kind of just read and keep tabs on about various topics. And so there's lots of information there. It's also a way to connect and communicate with other people as well as myself uh, to leave your comments about various topics as well. Um, So definitely do that. And again, if there's something that you're wanting to be discussed on the show, um, or even if you're wanting to be a guest, if you feel like you have a story that you want to share with others, and you feel it would be helpful to people listening, uh, please contact me. I definitely would love to have you on the show. So today, um, today's going to kind of be a follow-up episode from last week to, because this is Suicide Prevention Month. I wanted to keep that topic going because uh, it is such an important topic, but kind of just have my own stuff to talk about today. No guests, just some, some information for us all out there, uh, people that may be uh, in a challenging way themselves. Maybe they have young kids or teenagers uh, that could be experiencing some of these things. So um, definitely just kind of trying to put some information out there. In fact, recently, uh, just on my Facebook group page, I posted an article about the, knowing the signs of depression during the pandemic. Uh, so that's a great article of information. If you are looking for some stuff, uh, go to my Facebook group page and check that article out. Uh, the links there provided. So um, but I guess the the biggest thing is just why is suicide prevention and awareness so important? Um, and really, to answer that, I think you just have to look at the numbers. Uh, since 1999, um, there's been an increase in suicide by over 33%. Um, and from uh, 2006, the rates have really increased more sharply. So really, a lot of that growth has really been since 2006, which isn't that long ago, um, only 14 years. And Currently, suicide is the fourth leading cause of death for people in age group of 35 to 54, and it is the second leading cause of death only to 
uh, motor vehicle accidents for those age um, 15 to 34. So, um, so it's a big concern and there's lots of unknowns about it. Um, even in teenagers and stuff, there's still a lot of unknown stuff as to, as to the factors as to why and what exactly is going on. I mean, I think we can make some guesses about different things. Um, and research is definitely amped up over the last few years to try to target the specific areas that are needed to, to help. Some of the trends that we see and some of the research, what it is showing so far is that, um, I mean, definitely, I don't know if you saw the, the documentary on Netflix, social dilemma or the social media dilemma or something like that. Anyway, um, there was a section in there about suicide uh, for suicide and suicide attempts for young teens, female teens. Um, and just the stat, the stats were uh, mind boggling as far as like uh, the increase in suicide attempts and increase in suicide fatalities for girls. Um, and big, a big part of that though was reflective in the social media aspect of things and kind of what's causing them to do that. Um, and that's a big correlation for, for young teen girls and kind of what they do as a result of being connected to social media and how they compare themselves and, and, uh, even just bullying and different things like that that go on as well too. So, um, but as for boys, it's maybe not as clear cut as far as, you know, how much of an impact social media is, but definitely for, for young teens, girls, it, it, it's a huge factor. Um, some of the other trends in the research is that, uh, family and friends reported multiple angry outbursts before uh, a suicide death, um, which may be a more common warning sign than necessary sadness. So a lot of times, again, we look for that depressed state, uh, but we may want to be aware of these angry outbursts and how common they are and how frequent they, they become for young people and even adults as well. Um, there's also indications that many were stressed from problems in a romantic relationship. And again, I think that can be true for both teens. Well, it's definitely, this was a teen kind of base research, but I think that can be true for adults as well. Um, and uh, again, another research indicator for teens is that the majority had received mental health services at some point. Um, however, youth often expressed embarrassment about seeking treatment or figured it would not help. And I think the embarrassment part is really a big factor and something we really need to be mindful of and aware of because, you know, I think it's just we need to be past the point of stigmas and, and you know, being worried about uh, the need for help, both as parents and as teens. Um, I think parents are a big part of that, that same embarrassment. Um, maybe they feel uh, like a failure as a parent if, if their child has to get help for something. Um, and... I know there's just not really any better way to say it other than just to suck it up and, and just deal with it. And if your kid needs help, he needs help. And it doesn't necessarily always have to be a reflection of you as a parent and what you're doing or not doing. Um, you know, I had a recent example of um, a teen girl coming in and, and needing some help and was definitely experiencing some severe depression and, and potentially kind of maybe not necessarily suicidal yet, but definitely without the the need of help i mean it could you could see where it could escalate pretty quickly um and it was just interesting after the first session how it was like this debate as to whether or not there should be a second session um, or further treatment and i'm just kind of sitting there like okay this one session did not fix this uh, this was not the cure just to come one time and luckily the 
the young teen girl was like, yeah, I definitely need to come back. And, and it was like, almost like the mom was kind of just hoping maybe this was a one time thing. So anyway, it just something that we need to be mindful of is that if they, if we reach out for help one, it's okay. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're failures as parents. It doesn't mean we're failure as teens. Some, you know, life's difficult. It's challenging, especially right now as things have been taken away from us. We don't have the same things that we're used to. Um, our social uh, connections been cut off to some degree. Our outlets as far as sports and stuff have been cut, cut off to some degree. So, you know, if we'd fall into that boat where we just need help, we just need to be okay with it and, and reach out. So uh, something else I wanted to kind of go through with people as well. Uh, cause I think this is an important aspect of things. This as far as like, there's some, definitely, there's a lot of myths, myths out there when it comes to suicide and kind of what in relation to suicidal either events or topics around suicide. Um, I think the first one that I just wanted to point out was that there's a myth about that most suicides happen suddenly without warning. And that's just not true. 80% of youth, especially who struggle will give some type of warning, um, and even at times there's even a history of treatment prior, prior to suicide. So it's not typically something that just comes out of the blue. There's typically a lot of warning. So something either is wrong in the treatment or the consistency, or maybe even the degree to which we kind of pursue the help on, a, on an ongoing basis. Um, now I will say this, men in general are typically more likely to kind of like not give some type of warning sign. They tend to be more impulsive when it comes to suicide and their actions. So there is that factor as well. But, but a lot of times when we're talking about our young people, they, 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 they're giving us some signs and they're, they're reaching out and they're letting us know that they're struggling in some form or fashion. Uh, so it is up to us to, to kind of be able to clue into that and, and, and listen to them and really hear what they're trying to tell us. Um, another myth is that asking a person about suicide makes things worse. And again, that's just not the case. In fact, um, if anything, it can actually do the opposite. It can make the person feel like there's a, there's real care out there and it can also bring the problem into the open. Maybe they're just kind of, again, that word embarrassment, maybe they're embarrassed about how they're feeling about maybe why they would feel that way. Maybe they come from a good home and there's good things in their lives. And so they feel bad for feeling bad. Um, so just simply asking them about that or asking them, you know, what, uh, what's, what's going on or if they're feeling that way, um, uh, can be a huge relief to them. So don't ever feel bad about asking somebody if they are suicidal. Um, like I said, it just doesn't, it doesn't make it worse. It really can be an opening to an outlet for them. Uh, another myth is that that we have to be a professional health care worker to help someone at, at risk of suicide. And again, the answer is no, you do not. Uh, people tend to express their concerns more often to family and friends. Um, so we as individuals are often the first line of defense. And I've heard so many stories of um, friends of young people, especially that are the ones that end up warning the parents um, that their child might be thinking about suicide and need some added help. And so um, people, friends out there, young people that may be listening, uh, one, you know, you you could be the difference maker in terms of somebody um, having their life saved versus them taking their life because they're much more likely to talk to you than maybe even their parents and especially maybe even initially a mental health worker whether it's because they just don't have the access or they haven't gone to their parents and let them know that that's where things are at. So again, there's lots of experiences I've had where 
you know, friends have been the one to kind of like tip their parent, tip the parents off to say, Hey, you know, such and such is, is struggling. I think he could use some help. He's expressed thoughts of suicide. Uh, so definitely, um, that that's an important part. Um, and again, I think some of that goes into the fear that of being put away or institutionalized, um, by healthcare professionals. So if they express that, that they feel like maybe that's automatically what's going to happen to them, they're going to, um, they're going to be put in some kind of facility or whatever. And so they hesitate putting that out there. So anyway, just another, another thing to think about as far as what might happen or, or you might be a part of the solution in, in a very important way as if somebody reaches out to you and lets you know kind of what they're feeling. Another myth is that people who want to die will always find a way. And again, it's just not the case. You know, people that are in that state of feeling like they want to die, um, I think they truly do want relief from that pain in a, in a more productive way. Um, now, them doing the things necessary to get that help, sometimes that can be a struggle. But, you know, it's not necessary foregone conclusion that just because they're expressing they want to die, that that's what they're going to do. Um, and then finally, another myth just to kind of think about is that someone who has their act together is not at risk of suicide. And I would say it's maybe, again, in that situation, the opposite where, you know, people that maybe kind of appear to have it all together, um, if they are struggling internally, they might have be more at risk of being suicidal or attempting suicide because the perception is there that they have it together and they might feel again, embarrassed or feel some type of shame that they are struggling or that they don't have the answers or that they're feeling bad about themselves in, in whatever way. So they might be the ones that are more impulsive or that the suicide kind of comes out of nowhere um, because of the perception that they feel like they have to maintain in order to make people happy. So, um, so it's yeah, definitely not the case where those people are not in, in harm's way. So, um, all right. So then as we kind of shift a little bit to prevention and kind of things that we can do as far as prevention goes, I think, again, that's one of the things that the research has really tried to focus in on is trying to find um, effective modes of prevention and where do we need to kind of pick this issue up and, and where, where are we kind of falling short? Um, but just in general, you know, I think we need to be able to reach out with love and care for those may, who may have suicidal thoughts or maybe who have even attempted suicide um, and they could be feeling kind of marginalized in, in, in some way. And so uh, we really need to have that approach to them um, and we need to learn how to be better at prevention. Um, we need to learn how to talk about it. We need to understand that mental illness is just like having any other illness. Um, and talking about this, I think, really has become less of an option. It's not really something that um, we need, you know, we only talk about if we think there's a need. We need to be talking about it in a more proactive way, in a more, you know, out front uh, way so that if there ever becomes an issue with, you know, somebody that we know or love, a kid, um, that they know that we've already kind of talked about in a way that is that they can feel safe, that they they know that um, we're open to um, that possibility and that we are also open to doing whatever it takes to get them the help that they need. So being proactive about it, talking about it with our kids, talking about it in our families, talking about it with other people that maybe we are concerned about, you know, kind of opens that door. 
And like I said, it's, it's a, it's a good way to, to preempt or to provide some level of prevention, um, in doing so. So, um, some other things that we need to do, and I, I kind of mentioned some of the stuff in my, at the end of the last episode, but a lot of times prevention begins with just knowing the signs and some of those signs include, you know, just the simple fact, are they talking about suicide? Are they expressing any kind of hopelessness or loss of purpose in their lives? Loss of purpose is a big one, you know, not feeling like you really matter or something like that is, is a big indicator. Um, so we need to be mindful of that. Um, are they currently hurting themselves physically? Uh, maybe they're doing some cutting or some other things. And again, that can be a progressive thing where they start at that, that point and maybe that doesn't seem to be as effective anymore. And so they, they escalate to, to more and more, be, you know, more harmful behaviors. So we need to be mindful of that. And if we see that, you know, again, just jump on that bang, the, the wagon of getting help immediately and as soon as possible. Um, do they have any kind of emotional pain that we may know, know about? Things such as recent loss, divorce, et cetera, job loss, things of that nature that could be causing some level of emotional pain. Um, are they withdrawing from things they used to participate in, things they used to enjoy, activities? This includes also family and friends. Maybe they're isolating from them and not being as participant. That's a big indicator uh, as well. Has there been uh, any increase in anxiety or worry? Um or any overall drastic changes in mood, behavior, relationships, et cetera. Um, reckless behavior. Uh, again, that kind of is more some, sometimes indicated of just like they don't care. If they get hurt or something like that nature, they're kind of like almost hoping for that um, as a way of ending their life rather than doing it just um, more in more kind of on their own. Uh, so they might be driving more recklessly, things of that nature. Uh, sleep struggles, feeling trapped feeling like a burden. Um, this one, I think the feeling like a burden one is definitely something I've noticed a lot more of as far as just trying to be in tune with. When I hear people talk about that, I really want to try to understand what they mean by that and, um, you know, what's kind of going on for them as a result of kind of seeing themselves as a burden and kind of, like I said, just kind of where that's coming from and how that uh, matters to them as far as them uh, feeling like a burden and feeling like that that's something that they don't want to continue to do and at what level. So um, that's a big, big one to kind of cue in on. Um, also, another potentially telling factor is perfectionism. This kind of goes back to those people that maybe seem like it, they have it all together um, because often perfectionism is followed by being overcritical, overly critical of oneself. Um, and again, that can be common in in a lot of us, especially teens that are kind of expecting or have high expectations of themselves or feel like they've got to be a certain way or perform at a certain level. So um, it can definitely be something that backfires as well, because if you don't, if you're not perfect, it's almost like then you're terrible um, and you don't have this moderation of, of being able to forgive yourself or be able to kind of give yourself some slack. Um, and so again, the more that you deal with that, the more that, that can lead to a feeling of like, oh, it's not worth it. Um, so anyway, something to be mindful of with that. Again, kind of on the other end of it, not necessarily always the depressed type, but more of just the perfectionistic kind of, of, of way of being. All right. So those are some prevention things as far as like, you know, just the noticing the signs and things of that nature. So then we kind of move on into, well, things that we can do if we identify somebody as being suicidal or depressed or in that place where they could be vulnerable to that. 
Um, obviously, we want to be able to reach out. That's first and foremost and be able to, you know, again, listen with, with love, but also with no judgment. You know, we don't want to convey any kind of sense of judgment to people or making them feel bad for feeling bad or feeling bad for having those thoughts. You know, sometimes those thoughts just happen. You know, they're just they're just a part of that depression. They're just a part of um, the struggle that goes with that. And so, you know, the 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 people that are experiencing these don't want to be feeling those things. And so, when they feel judged by that, um, it's really a deterrent for them to even continue to open up about it. But also, it's a deterrent to really almost feel like, man, I must just be messed up if I'm having these thoughts. So. We really want to be careful about how we speak and, and how we share things. But I, I guess if we're most importantly, if we're reaching out with love and concern, then that's the most important thing. Um, another thing we want to try to focus on is if we can help with concrete things, like, for example, things that might be tangible. So if there's some kind of job loss, helping them find work. Um, if there's struggles in other areas, things that we can do that might be concrete for them, that that gives them something that you know, to focus on and some hope for some things, if we can do that. Um, again, we want to ask if they've considered suicide, um, which which really can open up the door for them to kind of be able to talk openly. So that, that can be a positive thing. And if we feel like somebody is suicidal in a certain moment and we kind of identified it, we definitely want to stay with them until that's subsided or we've gotten some help, whether that's, you know, made an appointment with somebody or maybe even if it is a, a situation where we have to call uh, the police and get the ambulance involved and get them to a facility uh, just until they can be, you know, be better. And uh, just until they can have some some calmness and the ability to kind of get on that path to getting help. Um, and that sometimes is just what has to happen. It's not necessarily, again, a bad thing or a shameful thing. It's just, hey, this is spiraling faster than I can get a handle on it. And so I might need that really intense intervention of, you know, I've got to go to a facility for 72 hours and then get the ball rolling with maybe some medication and some treatment uh, that way. So uh, it does it does happen and sometimes it does need to happen. Um, the thing I always like to think about when it comes to um, prevention and kind of helping people is to think about the four dimensions of wellness, you know, so when we are struggling with something like this, um, the dimensions of wellness definitely come into play. So it's like, we want to think about our emotional well-being, our mental health, our mental thinking, um, our physical aspect, or what are we doing physically to kind of keep ourselves well and our spiritual selves. So if there's areas, again, from a concrete standpoint that we can do to improve on those things, we want to do that. And that includes obviously building and maintaining relationships as well, because um, that's a big part of staying connected and staying in a good place that way too. And so we definitely want to consider these four areas and try to address the concerns of each of them. And if there's little goals that we can make in relation to them, um, again, from an emotional standpoint, maybe we have a lot of pain that's been accumulating. So we need to deal with that um, and find ways to deal with that, whether it's, again, seeing a counselor, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if mentally we're struggling because we have intrusive thoughts, again, another thing, you know, maybe that requires some therapy, some things of that nature to kind of get that under control so we can learn some tools and strategies of dealing with those intrusive thoughts. Obviously, physically, if we have not been able to be active, 
um, you know, just getting active again, getting those endorphins pumping, feeling good about ourselves, feeling good internally about accomplishing something. And then again, also for people with spiritual aspects of things, that can be a vital role as well in our well-being. Okay, so those are the things that I think from a standpoint of like post-suicide or pre-suicide or, you know, like getting, whether it's prevention or dealing with somebody who's on that, in that place, um, those are kind of some of the things that we need to be mindful of in that way. Um, I did want to just spend a little bit of time about and just in kind of touch on loss um, because sometimes people, you know, obviously do take that next step. Um, they do decide to take their life. And so people who are left with dealing with that, they are going to need support too. And so when we think about, when we think about loss, when it comes to suicide, uh, it definitely is evokes a profound sense of intense and complex grief. Um, there's a lot of guilt and unknowns that can go with that. So the grief is, is definitely a difficult one to deal with. Um, Obviously, there can be shame and stigma around suicide death uh, for a family. Uh, there can be disbelief and shock, anger, relief, guilt. Sometimes there can be relief. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but, you know, if you have somebody that's maybe in an addiction um, who is just spiraling and going the way of their addiction and they're living on the streets or something like that, if they're if they end their life, sometimes that can feel like a sense of relief, which is, again, uh, it's a weird thing and it's not, I think sometimes people feel bad for that. So there's a lot of emotion there. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, we can have a, a consuming desire to understand why again, because we're creatures of meaning. We want to understand things. We want to know what, what we can do or what we could have done. And so we just want to understand the whys. And sometimes we're left wondering that. Um, in fact, a lot of times we are. Uh, there can be the feelings of abandonment and rejection, blaming the deceased or oneself or even God. Um, and there can obviously be an increase in stress during um, memorable times, holidays, other anniversary dates. Um, that, those can now become complex and complicated as well. Uh, but so if we are somebody either in that space or know somebody that's in that space of loss, Obviously, we want to allow and respect each person, their unique grieving process, um, because, again, we all grieve in different ways. Often um, it's dependent on the relationship that we have with the person that who has taken their life. Um, so that that's a factor. Um, definitely want to refrain from judgment um, for those people um, and and even judging ourselves. Um want to ask for help if we need it. You know, that's the worst thing we can do is let one uh, trauma lead to another where we just don't ask for help um, to get through something like this. Um, we definitely want to stay connected and reach out periodically and ba balance the notion of privacy with connection. Uh, definitely staying connected is an important part, a way to keep ourselves afloat, keep ourselves going. Um, and those things can be, you know, vital um, not always easy, uh, definitely not always easy for people to stay connected in those times, you know, because again, just everything that comes with that intense sense of grief and the complexity around that issue, it's definitely not easy to, to, to always reach out. So anyway, those are the things that I just kind of want to share with everybody and, and kind of get us in that place and that mindset of not only just prevention, 
but how we can deal with these things. Um, but really the idea is to just promote prevention. I mean, this is Suicide Awareness Month, so we want to become more aware of some of the signs, the things that could be going on for people, understanding depression, especially at this time, you know, with COVID and everything that's going on. And like I said, the things that are being taken away from people as far as social activity, social activities and, and uh, sports activities, different things like that. Uh, people are going to be more vulnerable to feeling depressed and feeling down and and feeling less hopeful about the world and what's going on there. Um, so there definitely, I'm sure already has been an increase um, in suicides and things of that nature. And so we just got to keep working together, keep staying connected and, you know, and really try to bring this stuff to an awareness so that we can, you know, save lives and be able to be there for people when they need it. Again, don't feel bad about reaching out for help or wanting to, or if you feel like you need to get help, um, just simply asking for it. Uh, it's a huge burden that can be alleviated from yourself as you just take that step and, and ask for the help. So I uh, just encourage us all to do that and to be more mindful of the people around us. You know, I know we got a lot going on for our own selves, but, uh, you know, just staying aware and staying connected to other people is a huge importance as well. So the more that we can do that, uh, the better. And hopefully we can make a difference in each other's lives as we do that. So um, that's all I got for today. That's the episode. Um, again, suicide awareness. Be mindful of it. Think about others and stay connected. And this is the Vegas Therapist signing off till next time. 